0: 5000 to 1 is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play, and Apple App Store over 18s only please gamble responsibly welcome to 5000 to 1 the Athletics Leicester City podcast I'm Rob Tanner joining me once again Leicester City legend former captain Matt Elliott the man of many stories how are you Matt I'm good, Rob, thank you. Back again, as you say. You're not getting fed up with me, are you? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not getting tired of the stories. <laughs> Just keep the stories coming. I'm sure all the listeners will appreciate them as well. But before we get on to your stories, we've got a game to reflect on and a victory. Uh, a bit of an overdue victory in the league for, for Leicester because it had been a bit of a struggle in recent weeks for them. And there were various reasons. Loss of form, loss of uh, a couple of players, key players to injury. But uh, Villa came to town on Monday
1: night and it was an emphatic victory in the end. It certainly was, wasn't it? Very timely win as well wasn't it in, in terms of you know how the the season was unfolding and the, the stage of the season as well with this final running you kept thinking is it going to be this game that Leicester turn things round? you know the last league game was against Norwich that didn't quite work out did it and all of a sudden there was a bit of twitchiness about and a few people looking over their shoulders for now that situation has changed again. You know, amazing what one win can do, isn't it? It can bring in a, you know, a different mentality and all of a sudden there's an air of confidence about Leicester going into the, the final run of the campaign. But um, I think Villa was almost the perfect opponents, weren't they? You know, if, if ever Leicester were going to get back into their stride, it was at home against Aston Villa, whose last game was... You know, you know, a huge game in the Carabao Cup final where they put a lot of effort in, come up short frustratingly, um, but then focusing or refocusing on the league scenario. Even though there was a there was a good period in between those two games, it's not always easy, and they've shown their frailties. Well, pretty much from the start, didn't they? Despite the first ten fifteen minutes, it looked like it was going to be a tightish game, but once Leicester got into their stride. There's only going to be one winner. And uh, it all turned out swimmingly in the end, didn't it? Well, Samata had that chance early
0: doors for Villa. But yep. even though... Hurrahan too as well. Yeah, he, right, and yeah. he mis- kick that. I mean, after that first 10, 15 minutes, I was a little bit nervous. I thought, mm. oh, is this going to be another one of those evenings of frustration for Leicester? But um, it was total domination, really, wasn't it? I mean, the way... I know it took him a while to get the breakthrough. But once they got that breakthrough, yeah. you couldn't really see Villa getting back into that game. No,
1: no once Rainer bizarrely came charging out of his, his area... Never will have that one explained to me, but um you know he wasn't just short, was he? It was he was a good he was five, miles away, five he? When seven A-walk. yards, yeah. yeah, out of sync. But um I mean, hugely disappointing. Just quickly, on like from Villa's point of view, like, massive turnout of fans. They were in full voice. You know, they were ready you know, to back their team to the hilt, and just. Didn't provide a performance, did they? You know, positive signs early on, as you mentioned. Leicester, a little bit tentative on the back of their stuttering run of late. But that's why I say they were like ideal opponents. Leicester very rarely threaten, um, intimidatingly, at set pieces. But they did on three occasions Oh, Villa have got the worst record defending
0: set pieces in the Premier League what gets me I know this is a Leicester podcast so we'll touch on Villa briefly but Mm. what gets me about Villa and the the Villa fans must uh, be questioning this themselves they defended so well over two legs in the semi-final of the Caribou Cup they showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit. They never outplayed Leicester at any stage, but they outfought fought them. But there's been none of that in the Premier League, and we saw that was that was really exposed on on Monday night. It looks like they are destined for the Championship based on that performance. And there's an over reliance of Jack Grealish, and we'll get onto what the one of the major reasons why Grealish was so quiet yeah. on, on Monday night in a bit when we talk about Ricardo. But um, it must be baffling for them that there isn't that urgency and that um, that willingness to, to drag themselves through a game
1: yeah. that they saw in the Caribou Cup? Well, it's a different mentality picking yourself up for League Cup quarterfinals, semifinals semi-finals than it is relegation dogfight, isn't it? Or, in inverted commas, run-of-the-mill games throughout the middle part of the season. where You've got to churn and grind out results and uh, Villa don't seem to have that capability men- mentality-wise. Also, from memory, from the two semi-finals, I think it was the duration of both games. They had a back three, that yeah. extra insurance. Quite why they didn't re-employ re- that, yeah. that, I don't know, because Engels is suspect, to say the least, in terms of mobility and positioning and probably experience to an extent. So Leicester, when they saw it was a back four, licking their lips, uh, if, you know, even, even when Nacho was on the pitch, uh, no detriment to him, but you know, Jamie Vardy is a miss. But Leicester still looked semi-threatening when Aston Villa tried to venture up the pitch and they lost possession. When they were camping defensively, yeah, it was looking a little bit tame, wasn't it? And a little bit stale in an attacking sense, a bit predictable from Leicester's point of view. But slowly, sort of, because of how Villa were, Leicester's confidence improved, I think. And all of a sudden, instead of just passing the ball around for passing's sake with no real uh, purpose... All of a sudden, they clicked into gear a little bit. And down that left-hand side especially, Harvey Barnes, James Justin. You'd want to talk about Ricardo? rightly so. James Justin was equally impressive on the night for different reasons. What an athlete he is, by the way, as is Harvey Barnes. And they're a fearsome duo when when those two are on song coming at you. But um, they possess the main threat other than those set pieces that I mentioned about. And that's why I was referring to them, because I think the fact that Leicester very rarely threatened Genuinely at set piece situations, but they were doing co- so constantly uh, on Monday night, and that boosted them. They were, hang on, boys, are we getting ball into an area? We can hurt these lot. And the rest of the game sort of flowed from that. And uh, yeah, it was once a breakthrough was made, there was only one winner, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, Harvey Barnes. I mean, let's talk about Harvey because. Um, Brendan's been talking about the wide players providing more goals and assists getting their numbers up so there's not such a reliance on Jamie Vardy and that has been the case with Harvey Barnes since the, the turn of the year Great finish for the first one very cool because obviously yeah. the keeper come out and committed himself and there yeah. was people on the line
2: yeah. had to pick his well. spot <clears throat> Yeah I think it was just about staying composed um, and hit the target and obviously found the net really well Yeah what about the second one? Instinctive no. that was a yeah. better Yeah no I think uh you know, when you're around that box, obviously, Mark, when he gets there, you know he's going to cross the ball. Um, and I think that gap just opened up for me to go into. It's obviously a great cutback, and it's just about um, you know, finding good contact. And, you know, the ball's obviously found its way in the near post. Four, four in uh, January, you got, didn't you? And that's two tonight. Yeah. You're really starting to get your numbers up now. I know that's been the talk all season is about getting your numbers up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me, you know, the first half of the season, I felt like I was performing well, but the goals weren't coming. Yeah. Um, but now, obviously, since, it, since the turn of the year, the goals have been flowing in. So, obviously, that's great for me. I want to score, score as many goals as I can. So, obviously, it's been a really good start to the new year. You know, playing in the side, I think the manager gives you a lot of confidence. Um, you know, us attacking players on the side for a reason to go and score and create goals. Um, so, you know, when you get the ball in the final third, you know, you've got full confidence of the team and the manager to to go and do and go and show what you're about um, I think that you know, tonight that showed you know everyone everyone seemed to be back on, on the same wavelength and I thought played some really good football and obviously the goals came of it You were so direct as well
0: tonight Harvey. every time you got the ball you ran at that fullback and committed him and took him on mm-hmm. um, is, that, is that something that you've been encouraged to do or have you just decided this is my natural game I'm going to play that yeah,
2: I think you know it's... Over the past few years, that's been my natural game. I think getting at people, um, using my, my pace and my power to, to go past people and, and commit defenders. Um, I think tonight it was a, it was an open game when we had the ball. Um, there was a lot of space in behind, obviously, for, for the first goal. You saw that uh, there was a lot of space in something we saw before the game. There's going to be opportunities to get the ball in behind. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, I want to be as direct as I can and get in as, as many goal-scoring positions as I can. Four goals in January, two
0: assists, and the other night, a couple of goals as well. Fantastic pace. Had Gilber on toast, didn't he, for most of that
1: game? He did, He Just every time he ran at him, he scared the life out of him. As he has done against other full-backs, but not consistently and regularly enough, I would say, not for the potential that he possesses. I know Harvey have done for a few years um, at a level. Um, I know what he's capable of and the way he's developed is... Uh, he's got the makings of a, of a top-quality player. You know, he, he can play in a central midfield role. That's what he used to play as a young boy, an attacking central midfield. He's got the Did you see him in ability. the academy when you were doing a bit of coaching? Yeah, you used, yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to see him quite Yeah, a bit, re- did you? regularly, that age group. Um, Hamza, Chowdhury, you know, Ben Chilwell, Harvey Barnes, obviously, and numerous others that are mm. in and around. Leicester's under-23, stroke on loan, Admiral Musgrave. Leighton Duku, Josh Knight, etc. There's a whole batch of them who've got potential, and others. But, um, yeah, Harvey, he he can manipulate the ball. He's comfortable on the ball. Uh, He's intelligent. He times his runs. Um, He's he's developed. I mean, he was always quite a decent athlete, but now he's got an imposing physique. You know, he's tall, elegant, uh, powerful, pacey. He's got all the physical attributes to go with the technical. And, you know, he's got a good mentality as in terms of that he's not phased by anything. But at the same time, I think he maybe doesn't realise how good he can be. Yeah, And that's despite everyone probably reassuring him. And his dad, an experienced pro who I used to play against, He's a good lad, put him on the right track, has got him in the, the right frame of mind. But, you know, even with his backing... Um, I still don't think Harvey knows what his potential really is because like you say bear on toast the other night as he has done other fullbacks but he doesn't take him properly to the cleaners Like it, it's yeah. almost like he feels half, sorry for him right, I've <laughs> done you a couple of times now I'm not going to show you up in front of everyone I'll be a bit nice don't be nice be ruthless and then you'll really see the best of him. Well, a classic example of
0: ruthlessness was uh, Jamie Vardy coming on. Uh, he's been yeah. a big miss, hasn't he? Um, four touches, two goals in the game. I mean, he's back. He's back. Yeah, not bad, is
1: it? I think, officially, that was his first touch, I think, the penalty. The penalty, yeah. Because there was an instance where he came from an offside position, then he touched the ball, the referee blew up, so that's, that's not counting on the stats, yeah, yeah, is it? Yeah. So, um, good penalty as well, by the way, isn't it, coming on? straight after his recent run. You know, he's had a bit of a dry spell uh, for whatever reasons comes yeah, comes back from niggling injury first touch was the match clincher really and he'd had a bit of a word hadn't he with Rainer you could tell afterwards you know there was a little bit of yeah tension <laughs> yeah a little bit of verbal going on um, and Ray- Rainer's Vardy's obviously sold him a dummy is not he he's gone to play it in the far corner given him the eyes just clipped it where Rainer's left from that position and, uh Enjoyed the moment, didn't he? And I like that. I, I think that's what Lester need as well. Jamie Vardy's got so many attributes to bring to the to the party. Excuse the phrase, but when he's in the side, they've got a bit of an extra edge about them. And you know, there's a, a trepidation about the opposition defenders as well. You know, there's a bit of fear flying around from goalkeepers as well. And and he 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 breeds confidence in his teammates as well. And he leads the way, doesn't he? Not just in goal scoring terms. Exactly. at least from the front, doesn't he, in yeah, terms of the press. 100%.
0: And, and that second goal, the finish into the near post um, to beat Reina there as well. well. Not a great night for the Spanish goalkeeper, it was it? But, but that was yeah. that was just clinical, typical Fardy. 99 Premier League goals now up. He's one away. Um, he goes to Watford. He could clinch it against his former mm. manager. The manager that plucked him from non-league football. 100. That would be some sort of achievement for
2: him, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. Yeah. Um like you say tonight's come back really well um, he's obviously had a little, little injury in the last few weeks but to obviously come on tonight get two goals um, I think he showed what a good finisher he is he um, looked back to his best tonight I mean, but it was obvious when he, before when he had the little niggles that he wasn't quite at it, 100. like you say uh, tonight he was, uh, he was back at it and firing um, showed obviously you know, the second goal he took a penalty really well and then the second goal is just him, instinctive, you know, around that box. Um, it's a great finish around the near post. But yeah, it's obviously good to get him back to his best. Have the lad's got anything planned for the 100 when that comes? Not sure, it's not been spoke about yet. <laughs> I think Wait wait till he gets it and then something will come out of the blue. Yeah, yeah I bet it
1: will. He sort of chanced his arm a little bit with the strike, didn't he? Because he tried to link up with Harvey Barnes, realised he's outnumbered. Slightly fortuitous with the way the ball ricocheted back to him. But he didn't need any second opportunities, did he? He just he just had a touch, bang, hit it. The conditions as they were, it assisted it as well, you know, he just fizzed into the back of the net. Raynard, ordinarily a goalkeeper, not happy getting beaten at the near post, but I got a little bit of of empathy for him in, in that case because James has hit it. I wouldn't say he necessarily placed it there, he'll probably tell you he did. But if you don't shoot, you don't score. And it was one of those nights, wasn't it? It was on fire. Thanks to our good pals
0: at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash 5000 and pay the postage of just £4.95. And, as if that wasn't enough, as a listener to 5000 to 1, you'll get two extra free beers – beer 52 are beer pioneers they travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club the beauty of beer 52 is that you can leave any time so the power is in your hands your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too just go to www.beer52.com forward slash 5000 to get your free beer and don't forget right now listeners to Five thousand to one, get two extra free beers. Well, Villa's biggest threat on the night going into the game was um, Grealish and Target down the uh, down the, their left hand side. And uh, that caused Leicester quite a few problems in previous games. But I just want to pick up because I did a piece on Ricardo at the end of the night. Um, because I think that that guy, the way he's developed from the first time he came into Leicester and we saw him from Porto, um, and I knew his background was he would have been a winger, converted to a right back. And I remember You've a game. Seen a forward
1: mm-hmm. at one stage. Oh, he's been hasn't he? everywhere.
0: Hasn't he? mm. uh, he's even admitted to me playing goal as long as he got a game. But. Um, I remember seeing at Bournemouth when Leicester eventually lost 4-2, but they were 4-0 down until the last last few minutes. And he looked like a player playing out of position. He was all over the shop that day. And I thought, is this guy really a full-back? But since then, he went on to be Leicester's Player of the Year last year. And then this season, I think he's took it to another level. He's one of the best right-backs in the Premier League now, I think. I just wonder what what you've seen. I mean, from a defensive point of view, he's
1: really improved. We know he's great going forward, but have you been impressed? 100%. 100% I think that that day you're talking about I think Harry Maguire and Wes Morgan looked like they no, had a shocker as well, as well. Oh, yeah I? you weren't the only one <laughs> but it happens doesn't it you know even to top quality players like that and uh but yeah that that was in his early days and I, I saw that you spoke to Danny Simpson as well who was giving a bit of a an appraisal of things and he he, he mentioned about there being a certain element of of doubt about his defensive capabilities or his his intentions to, to you know to apply himself defensively because he has that attacking nature about his play, doesn't he? But he's certainly he's certainly developed it, hasn't he? Because uh, you know he's got the balance just about bang on these days. I mean, very rarely, although it does happen occasionally, as with all defenders, you know he he does get bypassed or he does. Diving a touch, but it's going to happen in 1v1 situations. You're not always going to come out on top. But by and large, he's disciplined, patient. His athleticism is a massive attribute. You know, he, he's, he can get in positions say, go on and I'll show you down the line because you're not going to outstrip me. Um, and also he covers well now. Danny Simpson's probably the best exponent that I've seen in recent times of defending at the fast stick from crosses, you know, just body position. Danny's not the biggest in the world, but he got himself in between ball and player on many occasions. So I think Ricardo's improved at that. But such a threat going forward. Yeah. And he picks and chooses his times so and he can sense within the game. Well, that's what Danny said. He said the, the big difference has been that now, when he used to just
0: bomb forward instinctively all the mm-hmm. time, now he picks and chooses when to go and when to reserve some of his energy yeah. for defensive duties. Well,
1: yeah. Conserving energy, but also being unpredictable as well. You know, I think, for instance, you know, if he's charging forward every time, some people say the strengths can also be your weaknesses because opposition teams are okay. All right, we'll, we'll take a gamble, let him go forward, but then we'll filter into that gap that he's left exposed. But if they don't know where and when you're going, you know, that it's difficult to. To make that movement themselves, so and he can catch them off guard that way. You know they're not necessarily prepared for it uh, in in a tactical sense. So um, yeah, that you know intelligent play. He's an intelligent young man. You, you, you realise that when you speak to him, the way he puts himself across. Um, he's very focused on being as good a professional footballer as he can. The external aspects of being a pro footballer don't seem to appeal to him that much. He seems very down-to-earth. Yeah, he's just happy he's living his own little private life, being the best player possible, and um, Leicester are receiving the benefits of that. I mean, he was helped massively on the other night by
0: Michael Brighton as well. Two assists on the night, Mark. Mm. Was obviously brought in for that to help him down that side because he's got no Very much so, because I think it's been a problem. There's been the yeah. one
1: problem area, I think, when Leicester had gone up against Villa. Even in the league game when they won 4-1, there were a few occasions where... They were running a, a tight line or a fine line. A lot of two-on-ones against Ricardo, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, they were. And balls were coming in the box and they just about dealing with it. You, know, you want to cut that threat out, Mark Albright, and definitely, as you say... Helped out with that.
0: Well, he's another one of the uh, players signed by Pearson. Let's look ahead to to Watford. Then the conquerors of Liverpool, the only conquerors of Liverpool in the league this season. He's had such a big impact at at, at uh, Watford. And the big surprise for me was, if you look at the uh, the managerial history in recent years at Watford, they've been very continental in their approach. They've changed and chopped coaches. They've very much been the uh, you know the the, the antidote to uh, you know the the philosophy that you need stability at a football club to to garner success. They've just changed manager willy-nilly and still had relative success. But this season, it wasn't working for them, obviously. Nigel's gone in and he's given them a chance now, hasn't he? At least given them a chance
1: of survival. Oh, I think he's given them a very good chance, yeah. I mean, as it stands, they're they're out the bottom three, aren't they? Yeah. So um, that hasn't been the case very often. I think they had one flirtation previously and they slipped back down, didn't they? They got themselves out of the bottom three for a second time despite how I hope Saturday's result goes, I think they may stay out of there for the duration. I think they've got enough about them. They've got, without doubt, the right man in place. I mean, it's bizarre, though, as you say, isn't it? For the the policy that they've adopted, and then of all people, it's it's Nigel, who, you know, he's almost the epitome of having that consistency. And, you know, he's all about building and growing and developing, isn't he? Rightly so. Um... But, you know, he's so pragmatic and he he doesn't profess to be able to change the world, you know, and wave his magic wand. And, but he's, uh, you know, he's so professional and it was a travesty that he hasn't been involved at a higher level, you know, since his Leicester days. Um, you know, he had his spell in Belgium, obviously, in Leuven, and I'm sure he enjoyed it in his own manner, his own quirky manner, but he's back where he belongs, yeah, without a doubt.
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't we'll talk about experiences of Nigel. I mean, I've known him for a very long time because when I started covering Leicester City, he'd just got them back into the Championship. He was a, uh, a difficult character to deal with at the time uh, in terms of uh, the media. Him, him and the press,
1: is it, bordering on weird, isn't it? <laughs> because he's so much more affable and easygoing, really, behind the scenes, away from football and the pressures of it. You know that you still, You probably speak to him in two different contexts, don't you? Yeah, I mean,
0: the second time when he came back, it, he was different. I could, f- he'd, he'd settled down a little bit, but then we still had, you know, the ostrich situation. Yeah. There was a few other little clashes and stuff like yeah, that.
1: It's it all spiky, doesn't it? he tries
0: to foster a siege mentality. I think to create a bubble around his players to protect his brother uh, players because that is one of his best attributes. I think is he makes the players feel like they're all one together. But you must have seen a different side to him because you were a former player so you're in the club so to speak you're not an outsider you're one of the football people did you see a difference in him
1: yeah i i never really spoke to him in the professional football context it was um you know, i don't profess to be particularly close with nigel um but i, you know, I just i've met him on numerous occasions just briefly and he, he's always been like i say you know relaxed person born quite humorous as well a lot of the time isn't it? and and he's we used to play against each other which is something I, I almost forgot because you really him, well I have done for a yeah. career when I joined Leicester City mm. we played against Middlesbrough in the cup final yeah. albeit I was cup tied Nigel was playing then yeah so on. you know you, you forget that the, the age gap is not that great um, played against each other so but yeah because you hold him in this high regard you know as the manager and mature bit He's, a, he's just an everyday bloke to an extent yeah. as well, you know, a, a lad that used to play against. So we sort of talk on that level. But, um, it, albeit only fleetingly. But he's, you know, he's relaxed like that. He's almost almost one of the lads to an extent, but then he switches in the managerial mode, which is what you have to do, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, he's a, he's, a, he's a leader of men, isn't he? He <laughs> was on the field and he, he leads in a managerial sense as well. And I think the players... Respect that and appreciate that and, and they react to it as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, he made a massive impact at Leicester the second time Randy He came back as well uh, when he had a squad to sort out. His first signing was Wes Morgan. What a signing that was. His second was Danny Drinkwater. Um, Danny obviously went on to be one of the uh, title winning, one of the key members of the title winning side, He didn't get involved for Villa the other night, it was a chance for him to come back to the King Power Stadium, it looks like, according to reports, that things haven't been going very well for him at Villa again, and he had an unsuccessful spell at Burnley on loan from Chelsea as well, Um, a, a training ground bust up now, we don't know the details of it, but... Um, I wasn't aware of this. But, yeah, yeah, it sounds like it's um, a bit unfortunate for Danny's struggling, really, to get his career going again. But how common are these training ground bust-ups, Matt, from your experience? Uh, were they a common occurrence? Were they an everyday occurrence?
1: Right, I see. Um, well, I mean, yeah, a little, little bit low to talk about Danny's situation because we, we don't know... No, we don't know the, the facts, details. et cetera, But, uh, yeah, it, it does seem... A little bit of a shame how things are working out for him, certainly over recent times. And hopefully that changes round soon. You know, because I think, from what I hear, Dan is a, a decent lad underneath... He's a bit intense, isn't he? He's an intense yeah, character. Yeah, It yeah, 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 can be. But, um, you know, that's also yeah, part of his character, but part of his act, It's an attribute. It's just a, you know, you sometimes need that to spur you on, drive you on, as long as it's channeled in the right way. Anyway... Into how often does that happen? Probably the, that physical confrontation, if you're talking about that side of things, probably not as much as most people would think. Yeah. You know, end of the day, you've got 20, 25 players going at it, young, some slightly volatile, physically robust. Some trying to get in the team, some in the yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. To- <laughs> you know, there's different agendas flying around within this team ethic. And, uh, There can be flashpoints. I mean, it's quite regular. There's a little bit of a challenge that a little bit late, and players take offence to it because, unbelievably, not. I'm sure this is still the case today. Hardly any players wear shin pads in training. I, I used to be guilty of it as well. But when you think how much you're worth as a commodity, and particularly these days, and you run that risk, you know, you think you'd be. Obligated to wear them, you know, be insistent because young lads have to, you know, in the academies have to wear the pads. And then you'll see the the top pros bowling in who are worth 50, 100 million pounds not wearing shin pads in training. Tackles still go in, um, you know, whether it's intentional or not. Sometimes you're caught, and there, there are little flare ups like that, semi regular. Like, hey, watch your tackles, mate. Yeah, you know, what, what are you doing with that? Sorry, son. That's it might be a little bit of a push and a shove. Every now and then it escalates into something it it shouldn't, but um proper flare up. So there there are a few going back. Uh, one's relevant to Leicester, who was uh well it wasn't actually on the training pitch in terms of a tackle, but remember the situation with Dennis Wise and Callum Davison where it all got a bit messy one way or another. But um people might remember without going into details about that but Subsequently, Dennis Wise got suspended and then ultimately sacked from the club. Um, and Callum, I know, broken jaw, broken eye socket, et cetera, and had a time on the sidelines, thankfully he came back okay. And that was that was a situation where there'd been a conversation off the training pitch. Um, it was more just a personal argument, and that developed into escalated, something... Escalated, yeah. Yeah, escalated into something pretty sinister. Um and subsequently, Wisey left the club and he wasn't held in the highest regard from the remaining players, shall we say, which, in honesty, probably remains the case. But again, without being too critical uh, of Wisey. But uh, I always remember the, <laughs> there was a sort of funny story at the end and on the spin off of that. Wisey ended up going to Millwall as play a player manager. Jerry Taggart, who was a, in the squad when it happened, the incident with Callum Dozer. Went to Stoke City and we, we played as Leicester City in London and a game at three o'clock. And Stoke were playing Millwall, as chance would have it, at 5.30 on Sky. And we were on the coach. And just as we were coming back, waiting for the kit to be put on the bus and everything, and they were sat there watching the game. And they did like almost like a news flash. Um, the Sky cameras had picked up on it. So Tags and Wisey had gone in for a tackle, a bit of a 50 50. Uh, luckily they'd both gone in properly no one got hurt as they're on the floor Wisey does his old trick grappling pretending he's helping Jerry up but pinching his chest (laughs) like that grabbing him hard like that and and Tags has gone right you (laughs) He's, he's grabbed older Wisey flipped him over got his hand around his throat and he's banging his head on the floor saying, you're picking on the wrong man. Why is he? Why is he was squealing a bit? And we were all sat on the coach watching it. The referee hadn't seen it because the ball had gone away. He'd followed the path of the ball. But for some reason the cameras had zoomed in on it. <laughs> and we were all like, fist in pumping. Go on, Sags. Go on, Sags. Put him straight, mate. That's your chance. And Jerry, Jerry sorted him out. That was quite enjoyable. Sort of personal confrontations that had happened belatedly. But um, again, Wise, Wise, he did get involved in one at uh, the training ground. Him and Robbie Savage, they had a little bit of a an ego contest, shall we say, between them. You know, I don't know what it was. I think it was a bit of history from when they played against each other, Leicester against Chelsea. Why is he coming to Leicester? There was this instant animosity between them. One day we played eleven v eleven. They were in opposite midfield positions. The ball just fell right in the middle, and you could see it coming. <laughs> you thought, here we go. This is the testing moment. The two of them went right over the top of the ball, tangled and mangled into each other. The ball stayed exactly where it was. (laughs) Nobody touched the ball. Yeah, the ball was was fine. They were in a heap. But it it was a naughty challenge from both of them. And I thought, someone's got to be hurt. Miraculously, they both got up. They sort of looked at each other, dusted themselves down and went, OK, it's happened now. Right. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with being Leicester City footballers. Yeah. Um, so, for the majority of the case, the, the, that that was the way it went um, on the pitch. But they managed to uh, sort of drag proceedings <laughs> on, shall we say, at the Christmas do because I remember we went to a pub and we sort of hired it out ourselves. So it was just ourselves in there. About thirtieth or so, you got the young lads involved as well. And ordinarily, we were going to do Secret Santa presents to each other. Uh, I always remember. But it didn't didn't materialise. And I always remember Dennis Wise saying, right, okay, lads. And he pulled up a microphone from somewhere. He said, I've got a little announcement to make. He said, we haven't done Secret Santa this year. He said, but uh, I thought I'd buy one of my teammates a certain little present, just as a memento, Christmas time. And to remember my time at Leicester City. And so with that, he pulled out How do I explain this? Um, A large sex sex toy, yeah, (laughs) a sex aid, okay, (laughs) a very large one as well. Dressed in a a baby's Leicester City kit with number seven on the back, Savage's number, and he's got some fake tassels of blonde hair on top of the the sex aid, shall we say, (laughs) and dangled it down. And he just said, "Here you go, lads. You have to guess who this present's for." Well, let me say it's for the biggest prick i've ever seen in a leicester <laughs> city shirt so we we're, we're up and laughing and whatever sav's not impressed is he oh, i like i can't believe he's doing that it's out of time it's just a giggle mate it's just a giggle relax relax so sav's thinking right see him festering next minute he's gone over to the bar mate young lady who's working behind the bar i said i see him talking to him he's like what she's delving into a makeup bag like, what's she doing what's she doing there so he come, comes on Tav gets onto the mic, he says, right, everybody, he says, uh, thank you for the present, Why is he, he says, uh, not a problem, he said, I haven't got a present for you, just a quick impression, and he's got his hand over his nose for some reason, and he, he sort of bent over, like, scriffled at something onto his nose, he said, there we go, and he's got all brown makeup around the end of his nose, he went, who's this then? And we like, don't know, don't know, so he went, why is he walking out the manager's office? <laughs> the brown nosed twat. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, hey, that's good. And why is he's... cup? the yeah, oh god, it nearly went off again there. <laughs> it nearly went off again, but we managed to get in the middle of the two of them. But might it wouldn't be much of a scrap them two, would it? But uh, yeah, there are a few different scenarios. I mean, myself. Yeah. Uh, should I mention this? Yeah, earlier? yeah, you've been in one. Oh, myself. Yeah, the, the only time I've actually thrown any sort of punch in a training ground situation was back at Oxford. Uh, a fellow called Mike Ford whose nickname was Busy and Busy as in he's quick to criticise and pick out your weak points etc etc but constantly I mean you're not in the right mood he can irritate the hell out of you and he did so on this one occasion I wasn't having a good time in training not feeling the best couple of things going on at home every little error I made he's on my case look at Elliot. he's used to yay. he's done it again I'm like oh, mate relax like, leave me alone like, today's not the day Hey, don't bite on it. I'm telling him, to f off, and he's going. And the more I'm reacting, the more he's loving it, isn't he? So in the end, I said, right, one more time, mate, and I'm going to do something proper about it. And so I made another little mistake five minutes later. And he, hey, he's back in form he's uh, On my case, I went right enough. Bang! I just clocked him at like that, but not a not a proper like full anti Joshua <laughs> knockout <laughs> punch. It was just a, a right-handed jab. But I had a little ring on my finger as well, and I've caught him on the eye, and it's cut his eye. And he's like, "Hey, oh, no need for, no need for that." I said, "Wasn't no need for you to carry on and on, is there?" I said, "Just leave it now, All right? We're done." He's like, "Okay, okay." Anyway, training ended. He drives back in his car from the training ground to the back to the stadium at Oxford, the Manor, and I've driven back. Got out the car. I thought I better go and see him. I said, Busy, forty. Sorry, mate. I said, I'm feeling a bit guilty now. I said, but you pushed me to the limit like that. He went, it's not a problem, mate. He said, not a problem. He said, good punch, by the way. And I said, well, yeah, it's not bad. I said, but I've got better to come if you carry on. (laughs) He's like, no, 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 no. I won't wind you up anymore. I went, good. At least we've established something. He said, one thing, though, mate. Is it what are we going to explain to the girls later on? I went, what do you mean? He said, we members are going out, (laughs) four of us, for a meal. His missus and my missus. I was like oh yeah that could be a bit awkward couldn't it we had some explaining to do later on why Why is your eye cut Mike oh because Matt punched me oh God. So, yeah that wasn't the most entertaining of nights afterwards it was all a bit weird but uh these things happen. You get over them. You, you get you get by it. You yeah. don't let it. You have to move ancient. on, don't you? Yeah, exactly.
0: And it's time for us to move on as well. Wow, oh, very good, good son, very good. And uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Five Thousand One. I hope you enjoyed this one. Please join us again. Thank you very much.